0: Cut. I'm your co-host Rachel and joining me is my
1: favorite haunted doll Ariel hi
0: hey how are you I'm
1: doing good I'm really looking forward to this interview
0: oh me too me too uh I mean you know I I love I love me a, a woman directed horror movie but you know what I love even more a whore not whore let's not go with that <laughs> word a di- a woman director who directs horror. <laughs> <laughs> You want to take that from the top? (laughs) No, I'm keeping it real. I don't lie to our listeners, Ariel. (laughs) They need to know I'm a mess. (laughs) That way I'll never disappoint them.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I agree. Talking to these uh, women directors is always so amazing. We always learn such interesting things and they're super insightful. So this should be fun.
0: Yep, definitely, definitely. So... As we've alluded, we have a very exciting episode for you today. As you know, we love talking about women-directed movies. And of course, speaking with the women who direct those movies. See, I can say that in a nice, concise way. It's possible. you did it. (laughs) I have it in me. (laughs) Success. (laughs) And today, we got the pleasure of sitting down with Ruth Platt, the director of Murder's Lane. And again, we were just like, I don't know about you, but I was just kind of blown away by how awesome and thoughtful she was.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. She was everything, every answer to the questions she gave were really beautiful and thoughtful and intelligent. Yeah, she was very impressive.
0: Yes, definitely. And we we have a pretty broad-ranging conversation. We talk about everything by about how the movie was inspired by aspects of her childhood, because she also grew up in a vicarage, to the early origins of becoming a storyteller and how those two things are kind of linked. We both connected on our being, <laughs> uh, oops, baby. <babies. laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, we talked also about, you know, the ongoing sort of unfortunate situation that while things are definitely changing for women directors and we're trending towards uh, a place of parody, we are far from there. And uh, yeah, Ruth opens up a little bit about some of those challenges that women directors yeah. are still facing who want to direct. And I, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know about you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's going to tell you guys about some of the emotional toll it's taken on her too over the yeah. years having mm-hmm. to go through this. And I think that's really important for us to hear.
0: Yeah. I guess what we're saying is it's really, really great conversation, and we hope that you enjoy it, listening to it as much as we had, did having it. Because, uh, yeah, I always get a little nervous for an interview, and then as soon as we get going, I'm like, oh, yeah, these people are awesome, and then I feel good. Yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally okay, agree.
0: that's that's enough of me rambling. I think you guys have heard enough of me. Let's let's hear, check out our interview with Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing?
2: Okay. How are you, Rachel?
0: I'm doing good. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Uh, first of all, I wanted to tell you how much I really enjoyed Martyrs Lane. I thought it was really beautiful. Obviously, this movie is a huge labor of love for you. I wanted to know, now that it's finally out to a broad audience and people are getting to see it, how that experience is for you.
2: Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, it, it, we we shot <laughs> we shot at the end of twenty nineteen, and um, it'd been quite a long development process. So I was just so excited to finally make the film, get it greenlit, and make it. Um, and then uh, and then, uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, we, we've got through this; it'll be plain sailing from now on. And then and then, COVID struck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a bit surreal. Uh, and um, and yeah, basically, it just put post post production on hold completely um and we just we just did not know what what was going to happen so it was quite a scary time um and then for, and, uh, luckily we sort of managed to pick it up again and uh it meant the editor had to edit on his own in his house and I was sort of calling him and we're having long chats and zooms which was weird because I was longing to be in the edit room but you know maybe it was good in a way as well because he got the space to, to work on that and um we had lots of long chats so it was it was good and bad I guess and then and and we just had to. It took a lot longer, and 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 luckily I, I had a week with my sound designer and in the, in the room with him, which was which was short but really intense and really useful. But that was almost towards the end of 2021, so it took basically the best part of the year to to do post on it. Um So it was a long time, long time coming, and 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 to get it out there now, and you know, have it with Shudder, who are so wonderful, and and you know, to have it at Fantasia as well. There was a lot of love at Fantasia, which is very exciting. So yeah, I'm really really relieved and
0: that's so great what have been maybe some of the most surprising things have people have taken away from this movie for you what were some takes where you were just like interesting
2: it's really interesting how people view it very differently um and i think it depends whether it resonates maybe in a personal way i think for some people it just doesn't work for them for some people they have quite profound experience with it it, it it seems to see if people have maybe I just make Marmite films. I don't. I don't know. Do you know what Marmite is? It's a, it's a British thing that you oh. either hate. Basically, I mean, it's like Vegemite, right? Is that they're they're... okay? <laughs> It's kind of um' it's, it's a, an acquired taste, um and I think you know we, we, i think they're marketing ployers who love it or hate it and and I think <laughs> people, people either have a very strong connection to it or they, or they don't, and that's 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 just how it is um and people view the ending in very, very different ways, yeah, uh, which is interesting because i people some people see it as ambiguous, but other people are very very black and white one way or the other, and it's just interesting to see how people have just very different readings of it,
0: I think. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely something that myself and my co-host Ariel, who I think just hopped into the call, um, were talking about. Was our interpretations of the ending? Is there is there a version of the ending that you had in mind or that you thought people would take away from it?
2: Oh, uh, that well, I experimented with uh, two possibilities at the end. Uh, not 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 in the same universe, but like the um, I don't want to give too much away for, for people, but um, there were uh there were different endings definitely that I experimented with um and there was a different edit and i think um I didn't want an easy solution and i don't, yeah. think, there, I don't think there is an easy solution mm-hmm. but um you know because the because the film deals with a child's perception um and a child's imagination, I think we, we sort of had to stay in that in that world of her head and I mean you can interpret it um through your own adult perspective. Do I do I do I have a yes, I have a I have an right. opinion. I have an opinion on what happens. Um and that that definitely was uh one one version of, of the film. But I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to say more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I mean that's part <laughs> of your vision, right? Is to
0: let people just kind of explore that themselves, right? And I do think Sometimes yeah. that's the most fun way to engage with film is to just try to piece together the clues because I feel like there are some visual clues in that ending, like the way that that shot on the piano is set up. I think is maybe a clue, and there are a couple little little things. I don't know, maybe then I can <laughs> be tinfoil heading. Who knows?
2: <laughs> I think I think whatever the ending, I don't think there's an easy an easy way out. Whatever whatever the ending is, I don't think there's an easy resolution, um, and I think both possibilities hold, hold some difficulties. That's, that's what I think.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's fair. I think that's a very fair
2: answer. (laughs) So
0: obviously we are huge fans of women directors, specifically women in horror directors here on this podcast. And I want to know for you, what, what draws you to the horror genre?
2: I think um, I've always loved the horror genre because I find it very cathartic. I think, I've always felt a lot of pressure to not articulate or display things I'm feeling. Um, And I think with horror, you can just address so many difficulties about human experience and so many fears and so many deep, you know, issues that you, and you can just explore them. It's like taking all your skeletons out of the closet and, and putting them, putting them on the table and, and, you know, dissecting them. And I think, I think that's what's so great about horror. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I love, I always love the sort of the Gothic tradition and the female Gothic tradition. Mm-hmm. you think about Mary Shelley, you know, mm-hmm. how going through those horrors and then, and then having this terrible nightmare and then writing Frankenstein. And I think it's just, it's such a great way of exorcising your deepest messed up fears, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. And I think then, and then you kind of diffuse them in a little way. It's not like you, you don't, you don't make them sort of, all sterile and safe but it's kind of they they lose their power to be as disruptive if you get them out there I guess it's the same as grief you know if you if you meet grief head on um if you if you, you shut it away it becomes more powerful and more destructive I guess and I think that's what's so great about horror horror is you can explore the the whole whole range of of all those taboos and and human fears that we that we have to shut away in everyday life I guess for society to function. Yeah. for ourselves to
0: function maybe. I and I think that's so important especially right now. I think mm-hmm. we are in a, a era of sort of collective anxiety and grief.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. more
0: now than ever we need to kind of have these outlets to exercise these kinds of things. And I think yeah. I mean I've always been a horror fan but I feel like more and more people are kind of connecting with the genre because maybe. they have that same desire. I don't know. Yes. I don't know if that's just my Again, twin foil hatting.
1: <laughs> it's hi, shoot. guys. Can yeah. I interrupt for just one second? This is, I'm Ariel. I'm one of hi, the other hosts of the podcast. I'm sorry it took me a while to get let in and I didn't want to interrupt, but all, everything you've said has been so interesting so far. I really appreciate you letting us do this. Um, do you mind if I ask you a question? Of
2: course. Yeah, yeah. So
1: we're super interested in what it's like for women directors working in the industry. That's our main focus. Um, do you feel like it's challenging? <laughs> I know that's sort of a loaded question, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> How long have you got? Um, right. <laughs> we got all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just laughed for about five minutes. Sorry. So I think, um yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because like, I um I made a, a micro-budget feature called The Lesson in uh, twenty fifteen, which went to Fright Fest. And I think I've been saying I was the only female genre filmmaker at the festival. I think there might have been one other female genre filmmaker, oh, but wow. there was two of us in 2015. and 2015 is not that long ago. No. Um, <laughs> you know, there were just no women around. Just none. I, I, you know, there were maybe a few shorts coming through. And now it's wonderful to see a, a lot more female genre filmmakers coming through. But like one, you know, I, I made my first short. Um, well, I made, I made my first short uh, in 2005 and, and I think you could you know you, I could count the number of just female filmmakers not female genre filmmakers on one or two hands at that point in the UK and it's shocking it, it's just shocking and it, and it's so great that it's changing but it's changing really relatively recently um, and yeah it's still a minefield it, it you know in so many ways so yeah it, it, it's tricky. And, and the sources of funding are so limited in the UK Sure, yeah. uh, um, that it's it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a battle all the time. So what and also, the, you know, the, what 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 you can tell stories about as well. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. I think it's great that it's changing, but I, I'm still shocked at how long it took. And I suffer the brunt of that because um, I, yeah, I'm I, I, I luckily now there there's access to stuff that there just wasn't 10, 10 years ago, you know, but for women. That's yeah, incredible.
1: absolutely. It really yeah. feels like there's been a sea change in the last just maybe two years. But every time yeah. we talk to a new woman director, they all talk about these challenges and getting funding and being accepted in the genre.
2: Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's, there's so yeah, I mean, there's so many sort of um, there's lots of hoops to jump through, and there's also just the, the, the sort of um, pre-acquired ideas, I guess, about what what women what women do in, mm-hmm. in and in some ways, I've worried that I've kind of um, been too conservative with Master's Lane in terms of not not you know you feel sometimes a massive pressure to prove yourself to work against the expectations, gendered expectations, you know. Um, and Martyrs Lane is quite a, a sort of, it, it was a long time in development and I think it's quite a gentle a gentle sort of um, aspect of genre. And, and the lesson wasn't long, lesson was quite controversial and, non, and confrontational and quite, um, uh, you know, I didn't have to go through a development process, which is which has its negative and its positive um, aspects. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess perhaps for my next one, I want you to be saying a bit more pure in the genre um, form, you know, something a little bit more, if you're in the horror genre form um but yeah there's so much to be said about <laughs> right
0: <laughs> very very fair um yeah I mean one of the things I think why we're so drawn to specifically talking about women directors in the genre is not just about signal boosting but I think is a lot of it is like if you want to see artistic tenacity look at women directors because <laughs> you are simultaneously like elbowing your way to the table while making art. And that is always like very inspiring to, to, to both of us. <laughs>
2: so, no, I'm, I'm glad that's, that's great to hear. But yeah, I made, I mean, I made, I made self-funded shorts and, and then I made two micro budget features before I got anywhere near any funding. Um, and it took a long time and it took a lot of, and, and, it, you know, um, and I see some other people and I think, wow, you know, making debut debut features with, with, with proper funding and it, it hurts, but it, you know—it's wonderful to see as well. From a sort of w- a wider, less indul- sort of self-indulgent point of view, it's—it's it's great, but it also hurts. <laughs> 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 I, bet, I bet.
0: can I confirm that? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So now, speaking of inspiration, um, I read that this movie took a lot of inspiration from your life. Can you tell us huh. a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, it's tricky because it's not an autobiographical story right. in any sense of the word. But uh, there are—I mean—there are autobiographical, autobiographic elements in terms of the setting. I, I grew up in a really massive, falling-apart church, and Vicarage, uh, and I had older brothers and sisters, and I had older parents, and they were very busy, and um, I was very much left to my own devices and I had a very vivid imagination and so I felt very much that 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 feeling of being left out of stuff and sort of being left to your own and overhearing stuff and working stuff out that that's definitely from my own childhood and I guess nostalgia plays a part in the telling of the story but um yeah I mean the I've also been influenced by you know the whole ghost story literary and cinematic genre it's something I love and you know ghosts I, I had, I was very fascinated by ghosts growing up and, and I had a vivid imagination and vivid nightmares, you know, growing up in this, this massive old house where things went bump in the night and, you know, my, there were sort of stories of stuff from a, you know, from a different world I was overhearing all the time, you know, um, mm-hmm. um, because it's part of that world of, you know, uh. If you if you believe in in God, you you believe in the devil, and you believe in the supernatural, and you believe in other goings on. So that one doesn't come without the other, I guess. And that's quite that's quite that was quite scary, I think, because
0: mm-hmm.
2: now you know I, I see it, you know many great things about religion. but I, I, I can see it in a metaphorical metaphorical way, whereas 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 then I I saw it in a very you know very literal way. And um, yeah. so that those those elements have, have definitely informed informed the film. Oh, that's interesting.
1: So we understand that you're an atheist now, but (laughs) (laughs) at least that's what we've read. But I really appreciated how you used Christian mythology and allegory in your film. So one Mm -hmm. of the things we noticed was the Bible verse about uh, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Mm -hmm. Or by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. It's a really great misdirect for what actually happens in the story. Can you tell us a bit about how you came to use that in the film?
2: Yeah, I, again, I grew up in a in a very practical ministry where my, my parents, um, didn't believe in just sort of praying, you know, they thought that was a bit self-indulgent. Um, they were, it was about a practical ministry about, so if people needed a place to stay, w- you know, we gave them a place to stay. And, and, um, um, i guess that bible passage resonated with me because uh that kind of ministry i think is you know i really i really admire people who do that kind of ministry uh mm-hmm. maybe not my parents so much cuz that could i was a kid obviously i do admire. It obviously it's tricky when you're a kid but i uh, you know that kind of in, in all religions pe- people there are people who are doing a lot of practical good um and that's that's you know the great part of religion i think um mm-hmm. And I think that Bible passage resonates with that. You, you, you're doing it. You, you're seeing the divine in people, um, and and uh, everyone everyone has has a bit of God in them, and that's how we should treat each other, I guess. Rather than making God something separate and on a pedestal, we should treat it, treat everyone as if we are as if we are divine, I guess. And. Um, mm. I think obviously in this family, there's, a, there's a, another layer, which is the family dysfunctionality and the things that have gone right. wrong. Wow. Um, and uh, there's the flip side of, 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 I think, you know, there's, there's no, there's no greater God, that, no, no greater good than what we can do as human beings. And there's no, there's no heaven that could be greater than what we can create. And there's no greater evil and no greater hell than what humans can create. And I suppose, yeah that you know that that you know that that quote and the and the meaning um in the film hinges on that on that duality I guess yeah the
0: other thing and now I a couple of reasons I really connected with this this or like personal reasons is I am also a later in life baby so I have much older siblings and older parents and and I'm named after the story of Leah and Rachel. I'm Rachel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was right away when I saw it was happening there. I was like, Oh, I recognize this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I, I, on the same track of asking about how that Bible verse came into use, I wanted to know a little bit about what made you select that story because I thought it was really clever in that you had the the two sisters, one who is the loved sister, one who's but who is the one who gives given life? one of them doesn't get life. The other one does. You know what I mean? I thought that was, there's yeah. a lot of really clever writing around that. And I wanted to know kind of how that came to be.
2: Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. I guess I, I wear it slightly, um, oblique again because it, <laughs> you, kind of, you, kind of, <laughs> you don't know anything about the Bible. or If you're not interested in the Bible, it may not work for you. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was again, something I, from years of Sunday school and, and, you know, kind of, it was a very much part of my childhood. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love the Bible, I love the Bible stories. I think they're so fantastic. And um I I was given a very plain name. I've got the plainest name in the universe, Ruth Platt. You know, there's one syllable for both my name <laughs> <laughs> I just hated my name growing up. Um when all these, these these kids with beautiful names. And then I wanted to be a Francesca or a Dominique, or a Dominique, obviously. But I wanted I wanted to be something you know, with three-syllable or four-syllable. <laughs> and I, I thought there's something quite austere about giving your kid um, a, a, a very short, plain name, especially. Name. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, I think psychologically that always interested me <laughs> because I think you know the thing about Leah is that she's um she's not neglected and she's but she's not there's something not quite um, nurtured and celebrated yeah. about her mm-hmm. for whatever's going on in that family. um And uh, I think I wanted that to. Uh, obviously thinking about these two two girls um uh-huh. and how they're sort of slightly mirror images of each other but like you say they they all they both have something the other one wants yes kind of like draws them like a you know magnets together well actually no magnets are repelled aren't they it draws and draws them together and um i think um i thought that the name play And luckily, the the, the anagram uh, Mm -hmm. as well. So uh, I thought that was I thought that was quite an interesting um, dynamic there. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. definitely. I mean, also sort of original bait and switch. Right. And then you think about the conversation that, you know, the mother has about like, I got one and lost the other. You know what I mean? That whole thing, I thought, really thematically fit those names so perfectly
2: yes and and even if it wasn't intentional on the family's part or the mother's part you know um that there is a there is a subconscious kind of uh, a meaning there that Leo mm-hmm. obviously picks up on so um being a good you know a good reader of the bible i guess or 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 having having knowledge of those stories so it it's um it's another layer hopefully to the whole whole family um dysfunctionality and inherited trauma as well i guess Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So you were talking earlier
1: about how when you were a kid, you really loved ghost stories and and ghosts in general.
2: Yeah. It feels
1: like this movie is very much in the vein of a gothic horror story. So yeah. is there a reason why you wanted that subgenre referenced in your film?
2: Um,
1: or why you went in that direction?
2: Yeah, I guess it started out as more more visceral, more, more horror and about... Um, I think it was I think it was because it started out as a bit more of the mother's story and I realized mm-hmm. through the development process well it was something that it felt like it had to happen that it had to be everything had to come through through leah's eyes and obviously when you're making a child the your story that's a high risk strategy especially with the genre genre film mm-hmm. and um, I think uh, it just there's a responsibility obviously. A, in in, in telling a story through a 10-year-old girl's eyes, but also on placing that burden on a a 10-year-old actress, actor. And um, I think it felt like it had to be authentic to their imagination and their experience. Um, And therefore, it, it went in a more ghost story, less overtly horror direction because of that, because of Leah being our eyes, our anchor for the film um and i think i was slightly worried about that because you know it's it's it, it, i think it works for some people and it may not work for others for sort of very um over you know genre lovers and uh it it, it but what it did do is it, it 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 created this interesting um challenge psychologically that we we have to what 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 do you know and what do you not know and and what do you overhear what do you what, i mean obviously as adult viewers we kind of we can perceive a little more than leah can um but you know we are sort of um placed behind her eyes and everything's slightly removed from us so mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of metaphorical stuff uh through these this little treasure hunt that she goes on um, and so I, I think it was a sort of discipline that um opened up some possibilities, but also reigned in others. And and um, it, that was definitely a challenge. So, and maybe maybe gave a, a unique spin on that whole ghost story mm-hmm. um, genre as well. But yeah, growing up, I was fascinated by ghosts. And I just, just, I don't know why, but it was just the thing. I was just absolutely fascinated by that potential. And I think it was because I um, felt very much there was so much I couldn't say and so much I couldn't voice. And maybe that's what ghosts do. They they hang around the edges with fizzing with this energy of the stuff that can't be said. Oh, and maybe interesting. interesting, fascinated by
0: yeah. That. Oh, that's such an interesting lens to view sort of gothic ghost stories or uh, like that that comedy I can because it personalizes that it does in a way. Because like I said, I was totally that kid that was like hanging out and overhearing things I wasn't supposed to hear. And
2: yeah.
0: And I think my fascination with people began Mm -hmm. because I was such an observer as a child.
2: Uh So, And I don't know that
0: I've ever seen that represented on screen before. So that was, that was like very cool. And I connected to it in a very personal way.
1: Just watching the little girl, Leah sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together slowly Mm -hmm. over the course of the film and her sort of discovering the mystery Mm -hmm. by overhearing things and discovering things in her conversation with the other little girl was fascinating and I've never seen it done like that before so it felt really fresh
2: and new. Oh I'm so glad and I I, I agree uh totally with you Rachel about the you know being observer I, I remember just I, I've still got vivid memories of these characters that came into the house some some lovely some not so lovely and, <laughs> and just <laughs> observing I still have vivid, vivid memories of the of the the tone of the voice and little details of their hands or faces or expressions and and, and and working out their personalities and their, and their characters and, and the way they, what they what they're all about their subtext and what they wanted and what they what they what they want yeah all that, their motivations and things like that and yeah just just observing those personalities and those characters uh, from quite an early age was probably why I wanted to 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 tell stories and, and yeah. tell stories. about people.
0: That makes perfect sense. I mean, and it's such an important set to have as a storyteller i think that's what makes these people these characters feel so authentic particularly i mean i know we're getting short on time but i just i was so blown away by the performances of both the girls i mean you have a stacked cast and the adults are incredible and but those little girls you know it can go so wrong with child actors but you pulled out very naturalistic and authentic performances from them I'm thinking particularly about, um, the ghost, right? There, there's this cherubic, beautiful, sweet little girl. And there are moments where she comes across as sinister, but not in a sort of stereotypical kind of way, but because she feels very knowing. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I was expecting to see that in a child performance. So I wanted to know for you how that experience was and like how you approached directing children
2: hmm. i i um i was worried about it i thought it was a very high risk strategy and i think people were worried about it um I think, <laughs> I think um you know it's it's an awful lot of responsibility to place on their shoulders and um i would love you know i've said before that michael haneke you know saw five thousand p- kids for for the white ribbon and obviously we wanted i wanted to sort of cast for, for as long as possible and cast the net as wide as possible and, and I was worried about finding these kids and finding them um and also you know time is so short and when your child hours are so short in the day when you're working with children I wanted you know I just wanted to have so much more non-verbal improvised moments with them and and and, and tried to create as many of those as possible but we were working within quite a narrow time frame and so I was worried about you know putting the script in their mouths, sort of thing. Um, so it was, it, we worked as much as we workshopped as much as we could to make it feel real for them. What would you say here? What, what, what would you know? How would you? What might you say here? What would work for you? What, what do you like in the two truths, two, two lies? You know that. What, what, what you know. So it felt true to them. But what was interesting about those two girls is that they. You know, you learn. You can see very quickly when when you're watching little screen tests that whether someone's performing or whether someone's actually bringing something of themselves and yeah. uh, it doesn't matter if they're you know twenty-five, thirty, 30 or 40 or 10 mm-hmm. you, know, you can see that you can see that very quickly and and um it was really lovely with these girls because they they took neither of them actually with the way they created these characters with the way i originally saw them but they, they just brought something of themselves which is so new and so interesting and that character evolved from a you know off the page into a human being mm-hmm. through them um and and we